0: Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's Word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for Him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things one person one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan coming to you, talking about Garen's message on the 26th, the Sunday right after Thanksgiving. And man, Garen, you really know how to plan sermons according to the calendar. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You are good at that.
1: yeah. Just <laughs> make it. it. It's really crazy how that all worked out because it really was, I felt like a God thing that it fell that way. When I was just plotting out, okay, I'll do chapter 10 here, chapter 12 here, 13 here. And then when I realized what 12 was about, I'm like, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So.
0: Worked out perfect. And the, the message was, there was a lot of things you talked about, but it really honed in on gratitude and it couldn't have been better time. So well done, man. Well, we kind of skipped 11 because that's what we do here. We skip the yeah, hard passages. Yeah, we just skip the hard ones. And just go to the fluff.
1: That's like 90% names.
0: Um, yeah, it wasn't really read. a hard passage. It was just a lot of names. By hard, we mean hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> because the names were ubiquitous and they were tough ones. So 11, give us the flyover. Not a lot of content. Yeah,
1: they're, it's just really they're repopulating the city. And they're like, we need to fill the city up. The wall's built. Some people volunteer, but not enough. So they have a they draw lots and one out of ten people drew a lot that they had to go settle into the city. And as I was reading this, I
0: was kinda like, Okay, why would somebody not want to go to Jerusalem? It sounds like that's the happen in place. But you were telling me people have I mean, it's a largely agricultural society. Yes. So people have inherited land, they probably don't want to yep. leave. They got their whole life set up. And it would be a hassle to just move to the big city new spot. So some were willing, but others were yeah, not.
1: Especially that they had land when they were driven out of the land. There was land that belonged to their family. And that's important to God because every seven years, they would revert back to the family who originally owned it. So that went back a thousand, more than a thousand years. And so hmm. you want to go back to the land that your, your founding father who first came into the land settled on.
0: Yeah. So do you think these families that are moving to Jerusalem, are they giving up that family land, do you think? Or are they retaining you it? You know, that's a good question. I am not sure about. I that. wonder. I mean, if they lost it, that would explain why they didn't want to go. You know, like they would want to stay on. Yeah, that, but hopefully they got to retain yeah, it. Yeah,
1: hopefully they're probably. My guess is that was so important in the Torah that. Yeah. There would have been some. Yeah, I'm not sure. Some
0: statute that let them keep yeah, it. Um, Either way, chapter 11 is about repopulating repopulating the city, whether it was by um, volunteer or by the casting of lots. And then we get into 12 and we talk about the dedication service for the wall and there's lots of beautiful imagery and lots of detail about how and why they do that. And we won't go into very much of it, but the way that you explained it, I'll say this, there's a lot more to it than I thought when I first read it. I thought, oh great, Ezra's taking a group and Maya's taking a group. They're going to circle and meet. But the way that you explained it, um, there's a lot more going on than just my initial reading. So... Thanks yeah. for diving into that sure, and giving us that deep insight because those were really cool. And then you talk about two essential practices of healthy community. The first is worship, and and we'll talk a little bit about this. The second one we'll go more into, which is gratitude. But on this worship one, we've kind of already talked about it a little. You talked about how worship should be our number one priority, how it's commanded of all creation. My question to you, Garen, is why? Why is worship a command, and why does an all-perfect, all-powerful God need my puny worship. What's up with that?
1: Yeah, and I would say the command to worship, yeah, because it can sound like, well, God, he's this, I mean, people have said this, like, what an ego. Like, I don't go around demanding worship. I would say the commands to worship aren't for, Scripture's so clear, he doesn't need us in Acts 17. Paul says God doesn't need human worship to fill him up or anything. The command is that God knows he created us for himself. We are wired by him to believe, to belong, and to become. To become is to 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 give our lives to something important we're, we're wired to belong to community and we're along to believe or to worship something we talked about that with the idolatry series yeah right and what he's saying is you're the human bent is to worship your wife or your kids you're wired for me and the only way to a true enjoying enjoyable fulfilled life is if you direct your love and your worship towards me so it's for our good that's why that that Westminster catechism were created to glorify God and enjoy him together. They're tying those two together. And what they're saying is, is true enjoyment comes in worshiping him. So he's pointing us to that, not because he needs it, because he knows the way we're designed, we need it.
0: So you'd say we are a creation that was created to worship. We're going to naturally worship something with our life. God knows it's in our best interest to worship him with our life. Yeah. And so it's really an act of love that he would... He would, he would command us to direct our worship towards Him because when we direct it to other things, it's going to leave us in a lurch somewhere. Yeah,
1: right. So whoever created the car and just says, put gas in that, that's not—I know that that's a little different. But still, they're saying that because that's how it operates best. That's how it's designed. And He's like, this is what you're designed for. Yeah. You, you're designed to give worth to something. There are things around you that have lower levels of worth. It's the way you're created. I mean, we see that we're designed for giving worth because, I mean— just last night with the grandkids, you, they see the moon and it's a big full moon. So they bring you outside, come look at the moon. They drug me outside. And I don't mean that negatively. They took me outside several <laughs> times yesterday to look at the snow. I mean, when you see a sunset, you see a beautiful, you always go, hey, look at that, right? Yeah, right. We are wired. There's something in us that wants to give worth to things that have worth. And God's like, okay, if you ultimately give worth to things that don't fulfill you, it's it's not good for your life. So. Right. Direct your ultimate worth to me because you're wired for me. And so it's for our good.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the snow, so it snowed Saturday and then it ended late Saturday night. Man, it was like, I don't know if it was the brightest moon ever or what, but I, I waited till it ended, it stopped snowing because I wanted to see the end of it. It was like 12, 12, 15 in the morning. I went on my front porch and it looked like it was like just barely sundown. I mean, it was so bright oh, really? outside. Wow. The, the moon must have been full. And with all the snow on the ground just reflecting light, it looked so bright outside. We were laying in our bedroom and it, it, there was light coming in from our windows at night. Wow. It was so weird. That's cool. So,
1: it's called a beaver moon I read yesterday. Is it really? Yeah. Where do you read that? Garen, you
0: are just a bit of No, if, it just
1: happened to be on my feed, <laughs> I wouldn't go look that up, but I'd never you know, even heard that.
0: It's Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's church is over. Garen nestles, in, I... nestles into his office to read about the beaver moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does with this alone time. <laughs> no one's ever taken you up on your reading recommendations anymore. Like, yeah, uh, because Garen's of like some, oh, some wax stuff, Beaver, man. Yeah.
1: I'm not reading. Who cares about here. that.
0: Okay. Beaver, um, okay, back to worship, back to good stuff here. So lots of ways to worship, Garen. Sometimes we think the only way to worship is in service while we're singing, but you talked about lots of ways to worship. We can give. Uh, our money, we can give our time. We can serve others. We can lay down our life for something bigger than, our, bigger than ourselves. There's lots of ways to worship, um, and there's lots of verses that mention these things in the Bible. Yeah, but for some reason we have a hard time seeing beyond just like singing, or more specifically, singing at nine fifteen and eleven yes, o'clock yeah, on right. Sunday morning. That's mornings. what in our
1: mind. When if I say, "Are you going to worship?" There, people aren't even thinking so much. The service is, yeah, we think that's the worship part of the service, right? And then the rest, who knows what it is? But so, give us a real, easy to
0: understand, everyday definition of worship. If it's not just singing, what what is that definition that encompasses every part of our lives? Yeah, that's
1: why that definition from Warren Wiersbe that I referenced that I think is such a powerful one. Um, I'm sure I'm looking for it right now, dude. The worship is the response of all that we are to all that God is.
0: Worship is the response of all, all that, we that we are, are to all, all that, that God is. is. And
1: that is why true worship affects all of life.
0: So all that we are. Everything. Not just the singing part of me, not but every part, every part of me.
1: Okay, It's my serving part. It's my, what I do with my time. It's what do I do with my money. That's why the Bible talks about giving as worship and serving as worship. It's like, what are you doing with your whole life? And is it directed towards me?
0: Okay. Great. So. If you think that you're a good worshiper because you sing all the songs, there's more to it. Yeah. There's more a to it. A lot more to it than and that. And conversely, if that's not your strength and you're not big on the singing, good news is there's still lots of ways for you to worship. Yeah.
1: So you still, you know, you jump in and you do it. You're maybe not, not as loud as your neighbor or something. But yeah, but knowing that there's lots of ways to worship. And that it's not just the one thing. And so yeah, somebody's like, well, that's not my gift. And it's like, no, your whole life is worship. Right. So give your whole life to Him.
0: That's yeah, good. You talked about corporate and private worship. We see in Psalm 149, worship in the assembly, which is this idea of corporate worship. We see Psalm 42, that through each night um, I sing His song. So we see in the Bible, the psalmist referring to corporate worship and private worship. And we're to see that in our lives too, this rhythm of corporate and private worship. So I think we all have a pretty good idea of what corporate worship is. Um, But talk a little bit about private worship. You mentioned just really simple stuff like singing in the car or the shower or while you work. Um, I don't know. Are there other ways to privately worship God?
1: Yeah. I was just kind of throwing out a few because I was just trying to think. I'm, I'm curious what you think. But one thing you and I were talking about a minute ago is it's not, this is not checkbox stuff, right? It's not. I gotta. Oh, I've gotta sing while I rake leaves, or God will be disappointed. It. It should. It's supposed to be flowing out of your heart. And that's the other day when I, I even surprised myself. I was just doing the leaves, and then I realized I was singing the goodness of God. Not. I wasn't even doing it out loud. I was doing it in here in my head. Mm. But and again, I'm not holding myself up as the the end all be all. But that it's just that things about God just flow out of you. Even while you're doing other things, it's yeah. just like you love him and care about him. It doesn't mean I do it every time I rake leaves. It just yeah. happened this last day when I did it. So it isn't yeah. every time. Yeah. But to me, that's that I was just thinking, yeah, that's a way that I do that is sometimes songs will come up in the mm-hmm. midst of my life. And so I'm willing to sing them or sing them internally. It depends on where I'm at. Yeah. So.
0: I think that yeah, the singing in those moments is great, or, but if it's my whole life, even like if a neighbor says, "Hey, would you help me move these boxes and I cheerfully go do that, Is that not an act of yeah, worship? That is to also God, an act right? of worship? So yes, it's really just living your whole life um, in service to God and just with this full view of his goodness. and like my whole life is a response to that goodness. And it's joyful. It it can be joyful singing. It can be joyful box lifting. It can be laying down my life for somebody in some way, but it's all just a response to his goodness. Yeah. And it's a small mirror reflection of his goodness, right? right. Back to him. Yes. So, okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And you're exactly right that that private worship, I, I used to fall into that trap. I remember when I was younger, kind of when I first got my own car. And so you have your own car and you get to determine what you listen to. And sometimes it would be worship music and sometimes it wouldn't. And I would just feel this low level guilt whenever it wasn't worship music. Like uh, God sees me right now. Is he upset with me or should I be using this time for this? And it wasn't really a Holy Spirit motivating thing. It was yeah, more like right. I was feeling that false narrative of like, if I'm not worshiping in, on my own in this moment, then like God's holding it against yeah, me. Right. And more than that, private worship is just like the fruit of something that's bubbling up inside you and you can't contain, right? just like you said, with your grandkids, like they can't contain their excitement for the moon or the snow or the whatever, the beaver moon. Right. And so they have to talk about it. They have to, if they, I'm sure they sing about it too. That's more the picture of private worship for us. Yes, exactly. All right. Let's make sure we get on the same page with that because I live for a lot of years without low level guilt and um, life is a lot more free when it's like my worship is a response to him. It's not something that he puts on me as a burden. Yeah. So
1: And that's great. Again, even why I said yesterday, it isn't that I never listen to sports radio, because I do like the day after the Chiefs lose. It is so funny to get on and hear them talk like the world has come to an end. <laughs> You know, I just, I, I enjoy that stuff and there's nothing wrong with enjoying.
0: What about the, uh, what about the Wildcat Radio Network <laughs> on I, I yesterday where the, was the sky falling there too? Yeah. I don't
1: know where they to said, find oh, the no, post we have the, that. We're
0: finishing the year with the same record as the KU Jayhawks. We must be horrible. And we're glad to finish with the same record as them. So that just tells you the difference between our programs. They're so much higher than us. Yeah. They don't so want to finish with the yeah, lowly Jayhawks. Expect,
1: we'll get to expectations in a minute. Yeah.
0: Expect, yeah. It'll be a good time to talk about it. Okay. Uh, next rhythm of a healthy community is gratitude, Garen. And this is really where we camped out and where I thought, I mean, most of the things that challenged me and spoke to me were in this section here. So I'm just so excited to talk about it. You said that word gratitude is mentioned the most in chapter 12, seven times in English eight times in Hebrew, um, and that we see joy, we see rejoicing, we see celebration going hand in hand with this gratitude. So that Hebrew word tadot is thanksgiving, and it's a noun, it sounds like. And then the reason that matters is because in verses 31, 38, and 40 of chapter 12, let's see the English word in the Bible is choir. Yeah.
1: They say like a choir singing Thanksgiving. Right. And in Hebrew, it's just the Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. In Hebrew, the word choir is actually just that word for Thanksgiving. It's to dote. So like the Thanksgiving was singing. Uh huh. And at first you're telling us this and I'm like, man, I, <laughs> he better be going somewhere because <laughs> I'm not trying to learn Hebrew for nothing, <laughs> but you did. Cause you said that this commentator, I can't remember who it was. You said that they wrote that. He, they wrote that they translated that way because they really embodied things. Yeah, they were the embodiment of it.
1: Yeah, they weren't yeah. just doing it; they were embodying it. Right. And there's a difference, and I think we all know that difference, right?
0: Yeah. So first of all, like that was the first wave, and it hit me like, ugh, I think I need to be more of an embodiment of that. But then you took it even further because you you just really drove the nail in as we went further and further in a good way. Like I need my flesh kept in check with gratitude especially and you really did a good job of that. You said that worshiping and gratitude, um, they go together. And when we are grateful, we will worship. Uh-huh. But when we are not grateful, we will probably have more of a grumbling tone to our lives.
1: Yeah. And you won't have a worshipful heart. If worships all of my life, including surrendering to him. Yeah. So that's to me is one of the main ways for me to know, am I really worshiping God my my whole life is am I a thankful, grateful person, or is my disposition towards complaining because if it was towards complaining, then that is not a worshipful attitude. And that's, that's, to me, is a good measure. It's one thing. It's hard to measure. Am I worshipful? It's easy to measure. What's my disposition? And if my disposition is not one of thanksgiving, then I do not have a worshipful heart.
0: Yeah but also like I catch myself singing those worship songs in those seasons of my life where I find myself really, truly mindful and grateful of what Jesus has done for me. Uh-huh. And that's when I find myself singing things because they're happening on the inside. And so they just come yeah. to the outside. Right. Um, so I th- yeah, I mean, I see truth in that in my life too, for sure. So yeah, you said the opposite of Thanksgiving is complaining or grumbling. And so when we are not living in gratitude, we will find ourselves unhappy, discontent, disappointed with life circumstances. And then you pose that question, am I defined by my gratitude or my grumbling? Um, I think everybody has moments in their lives yes, where they are do. disappointed or discontent and yep. unhappy. And that's the human experience. I mean, that's what it means to be a human being. Well, you were getting out more here, I think, is that sometimes we can go through whole seasons or our entire personality can be marked by yes. these things, yes. by grumbling, yes. by discontent, yes. by critiquing. Yes. Both things that you know we have a right to critique and things that have nothing to do with us as well. It's just what we do. And so you were more speaking to that. Yes,
1: that's why I talked about like the embodiment. What do you embody? What's your disposition? Right. Because we know from the Bible, there is that category of biblical lament that God wants me to cry out to him in difficulty. But what lament always does is it starts with the complaint, but it always ends with a turning to him and saying, but I praise you because you are the faithful God who will take care of me. So lament always ends with that turn towards God. But if you have a disposition of grumbling and of complaining, you just are stuck in it. And it's Mm. it's just what you embody. And it's just what flows out of you most of the time. And we'll get to in a minute. It, and it contaminates not just you, but it contaminates. It says contaminates many. In Hebrews, it spills out. So.
0: so what is, I mean, let's say there's somebody listening to the podcast and they're a well-intentioned person and they are following Jesus mm-hmm. and they legitimately want to test their own spirit and know if they're living in gratitude or grumbling. Is there like a litmus test or is there a way to just know, like, am I a grumbler or am I a grateful person? Like, how can I... How can I know that of myself? You
1: can ask people around you pretty easily. I think it's pretty identifiable, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Because it is, you're like you find the Bible, at least in the King James fault finding. I mean, people that just nitpick things, they're always. Um, you know, there's people that talk to you and they'll they'll be like, hey, I like, you know, eight, 90% of the time, they're like, man, that was great. I love that. They might occasionally have a thought about something. And then there's the people, the only time they tell you anything is always when something's wrong. Mm. And you're like, I have a sense there's a disposition there. I think there's a bent yeah. there. And I think, so I think people can know. And I think most people know that about themselves, that if they've got that bent or disposition, mm. which is, you've talked about a scarcity, it flows out of a scarcity mentality. Right. They go hand in hand. Yeah. I think, I don't think it takes a ton of thought to, I don't know. What do you think? What, what to your identifiers that that's, what's going on?
0: Um, I would just say maybe if you're struggling to know if that's you or not, because I've been there before, just keeping stock of like how often I'm critiquing things Mm -hmm. because I can be a big critiquer. And so maybe just keep like a notepad and keep track throughout the day. This was something either internally or externally that I was critical of or discontent with or wish that it was better. And if at the end of the day, your notepad is full, maybe you're like, okay, even if I'm, even if others wouldn't say it about me because I keep it on the inside, I've got a friend who would would say that's them. Um, So the whole world doesn't know about their discontent in their heart, but they do. Maybe it's, it's a point of emphasis this month to try and turn that around and refocus and recenter on my gratitude. Yeah. And who Jesus is. So
1: Yep. And I think even asking the question, am I dissatisfied a lot? Like mm. when I think of my kids, am I primarily dissatisfied with what's happening and where they are? Or am I primarily thankful for them? Or with work? Or my spouse? So if your level of dissatisfaction and disappointment, those two things are really high. Frequently find yourself disappointed. That's probably because you've got that bent towards a grumbling, complaining spirit. Well,
0: then you said that grumbling comes out of unmet expectations that in reality can never be met. Yep. So what you're saying is people who struggle with grumbling, they have a high bar for a lot of things. And it's not just a high bar. It's actually un- an unmeetable yes. expectation on others or on a situation. Yep. And then, so they're just setting themselves up for disappointment. Yes. And when that hits, it's like their reason to grumble, their reason to critique. And it's like this self-serving cycle because then they're critiquing and then something else doesn't meet the expectations. So they're back to that again. Yep. So maybe that's another thing to think about. What, what are our expectations of things? Yes. Are they realistic? Yes.
1: And should, like you said, should I lower my bar on people and on things and give, let people be, you know, who they are. I don't just like, let people just have an attitude of grace towards people. And sure. Instead of like, Yeah. Or at the,
0: I, at the very least, communicating those expectations of the person that you're expecting of them. Like I remember when Kate and I were first married and we were going through marriage counseling and it's, and they told us that the majority of fights and marriages are because of unmet or uncommunicated uh-huh. expectations. Yes. Like I would expect something of Kate and she wouldn't even know it. And it created this animosity. So maybe we're doing that in our lives too. Like yeah. if I've got this expectation of, Garen or whoever, it's like the very least I could do is communicate that to them yeah. and then we could have a discussion yep. about it or they're at least aware that I'm expecting yeah. things of them.
1: And, and they, they even take it a step further, not only to communicate it, but it has to be agreed upon because I may sure. say to somebody here's my bar for you and they're like I can't even meet that yeah. and I don't agree to that you right. need to.
0: And that's where discussion comes yep. in and then maybe we reset the bar yep. reset the bar and yep, yep. okay, good stuff. Um, what else? Okay, I had a few questions that I wanted to ask you uh-oh. Here you it comes. feel like I'm ready. We'll we'll say it's a call in. Oh, we just had a
1: caller okay. on line one, Garen. <laughs> just got a text from somebody. Yeah,
0: text online. Oh, you could do that. Yeah. No, let's not invite the people into that. <laughs> that could get ugly. Okay. We'll just say I we had a caller on line one. Caller online one wants to know, Garen. Okay, so in hard times, I get in a car accident, I get a bad medical diagnosis, I lose a loved one. Um, am I not like entitled to grumble there? Like where's the line between a healthy Dissatisfaction with a situation. When does it cross the line over into grumbling? That is the antithesis of gratitude. Yeah. How do I know I'm crossing that line and going into that? Yeah,
1: and it, to me, it relates to that lamenting, and it's what's my disposition or what's my habit. So, again, lament is loud. God says, "Give me your pain. Tell me I'm frustrated." That person, those kids, whoever they were, knocked the rear the mirror off my truck for the third time this year, and that cost me three hundred bucks every time or something, right? whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Probably that, that Jayhawk play you got on there.
1: That's probably, it probably, that's probably what it is. So <laughs> I'd like to hear from some of our K-State fans. I want to know maybe. Yeah, where were they last night? Yeah, where night? were they last night?
0: <laughs> Listen Adam just where were you, man? <laughs> Adam's got a, Adam's got a closet in his house and he just keeps putting your side mirrors in there. It's all full now.
1: <laughs> but okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. God wants me to give him that pain and that stuff, but he wants me to turn it over to him in trust. And so, yes, I. I give him my complaint. That's what lament is, but it always ends with, "But Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust that you can redeem this. I trust to me Romans eight twenty eight that in, that you will cause this thing to work for my good. I don't see it, but I believe that. And so, I yeah, I can be up. I can be upset for a week, but even in that weekly con- that conversation all week, am I turning it back to God and like ultimately, I trust that you you can redeem this for me. And I'm not just focused on that thing, but I keep turning back to you. That's the difference to me between a grumbling, complaining, disposition and bent and embodiment and and one of trust. So God allows oh. me to do that, but it's where am I ending with that all the time? Hmm. And how long yeah. do I get stuck in it? It's
0: not a gag order on our true feelings in any sense. No. But not it at is, all. it is about where we end up in that. Am I gonna just sit in the anger and let it derail me, or do I give it to God? bring it back to a knowledge that he is good and allow him to walk through that with me. Yeah.
1: Yes. And if I don't, then what starts happening is bitterness starts forming, which right. we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Because I'm not trusting him or turning it to him. And then it, ultimately that thing is just stirring inside of me and it's creating a root of bitterness, not just at the thing or the person, but it, essentially at him because he, he allowed it and he's not taking care of it. Yeah. And then that, We'll get to that, but that, yeah. so God takes it even deeper than grumbling, complaining in that story. So okay. that's why I went back to it.
0: Caller number two, uh, thank you for holding, wants to know, Garen, when does, or not when, what does gratitude look like in hard times? Maybe I'm going through something tough and I really have a well-intentioned heart and I really want to follow Jesus, but man, I'm, my feelings are in the toilet right now. I'm so broken over something. How could I possibly be expected to be grateful in a season where my heart is broken or my feelings aren't there? Yeah,
1: that would, we should sometime, one, I want to do a sermon on it, but on the, diff, the idea of duty and delight, that sometimes things flow out of, they come out of my heart, but other times I don't feel like it, but I can still do it because mm. I know it's right. Mm-hmm. To me, that's where that comes in in Romans 8. I, and like, I did a sermon actually like 15 years ago called Giving Thanks to Gritted Teeth maybe i should come back most people haven't heard the story but that even when a bad thing happens i can be like god i don't see any good in this and i'm not happy but i believe romans 8:28 that you cause all things and i though i can't see it at all and i don't even see how you can redeem this i believe you can do that and i don't i'm not feeling it right now yeah but i believe it up here i really do would you help me to be patient through that so yeah, there's times I don't feel it, but I really trust and have seen Romans eight twenty eight so much in my life. And I know I'll never see that out of the front mirror. I'll see it in the back mirror eventually, two, three years down the road. And so it's like- Well,
0: me, like not a, not your back mirror, because it got broke well, that's off true, by those case state But we know but, what you're saying. Yeah. So what do you think matters more to God, the person who just won the lottery and is in church praising him on this mountaintop emotional high experience? Like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. I'll give everything to you. Or the person sitting at their kitchen table because they just went through heartache. And even though they're crying and they're not feeling it, they're in their heart saying, okay, I'm still grateful for everything you've given me, God. Even though like, I'm not feeling it right now, I can still display gratitude towards you in a hard season. Which matters more to God. Yeah,
1: and you and I did that in that undulation sermon, remember? That Lord Lewis so wonderfully says, the prayers that matter to most to God are the ones that are offered in the hard times, not mm-hmm. the, or where in the hard times I say, thank you. And I don't get it, yeah. but I'm thanking you in advance. And it's not even Jordan thanking him for the good things beside the bad thing. Cause in First Thessalonians five eighteen it says, give thanks in all things. This is God's will for you in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. So even to give thanks for that junk thing, yeah, but that comes out of a trusting of Romans eight twenty eight that you will redeem this for me. Yeah. And I don't feel it right now. And I'm kind of ticked about it. But I really believe that you will do something. So I want to thank you in advance, even though I can't see it, because I believe at some point I will understand what you, how you made that into a good thing for me. Yeah, So,
0: yeah, that really, I think, is the true mark of um, trusting God is that even when life is hard and we, it doesn't make sense to us, because we're beings that it needs to make sense to us. If I'm going to follow you, it's got to make sense. But when we can set that aside and, and say, even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to still say that you're good and trust you man, that's like, that's when you know you've made it because that's the Holy Spirit in you. that's allowing you to do that. It's not your own flesh. So that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, Okay, quickly, we're almost out of time, but do you want to get in the time machine real quick and go back in time?
1: Yeah, back in time. We're
0: going to go back, not all the way to Exodus 15, because that'd be a long way. We don't have that much gas in in the tank, but we're going to go back to maybe a month or so ago, maybe a little more. When you took us through Exodus 15 on a Sunday morning, talking about the Israelites and this test that God took them through, we won't go through the whole story, but essentially God takes them um, to a place and tests the Israelites if they're going to have a grumbling spirit or a spirit of gratitude to this place called that is later called Mara because of bitter water. And essentially when God um, does not heal the water and give the Israelites good water, they grumble towards him, right? But what you were saying to us is there's a deeper story here that it's not just about the Israelites needing water because they're thirsty. It's about God showing them their own bitter spirit, or at least trying to, and they don't really get it.
1: And that's why he says at that place, I am your healer, because he's wanting to heal their heart of that grumbling, complaining spirit, which has a root in bitterness. And that's why that word bitter is so important there. Yeah.
0: So the bitter water in that story mirrors the bitter hearts of the Israelites you know, they're looking for healed water. God wanted healed hearts and his people. Um, and he showed them that under their grumbling spirit was bitterness in their souls, just like was, yep. was bitterness in the water. So there's incredible layers to this story. And you read a really great, great quote. Could we? Yeah. I forgot who it was by.
1: Um, well, Wilkerson. Um, is it Bill? But the thing that was powerful for me, Jordan, out of that is God saying, I think revealing that under the hood of a complaining, grumbling spirit is bitterness. That's yes. a really strong word, right? It's one thing if somebody said, Garen, you're a complainer. I'm like, yeah, okay. But if somebody said, you're bitter. I mean, that, that, mm. that's a strong comment, right? Yeah. And I think that God says that that's what's under the hood of that is powerful. Wilkerson said, he says, for some people, a complaining, grumbling spirit, a bitter spirit is one of their signature sins they so easily get entangled to. It's baked into their character. Um, he says a couple of things where that may have come from. And he says, deep down, you were disappointed and soon a seed and then a root of bitterness took root in your heart. And over time, it sprang up and blossomed. But no matter the bitterness, it is ultimately directed at God who allowed it and was over that circumstance. And so their bitterness was not just at the, the water and not just at Moses for bringing them there. They were really bitter and angry at God. And yeah. we, a few chapters later, God even says that. He's like, angry at Moses. They're not mad at you. They're mad at me. Yeah. I'm the one they've got a problem with. And that's what's under my grumbling and complaining ultimately isn't even the person I'm complaining about or the thing. I'm ultimately complaining about God because he's not handling my life very well.
0: Yeah. And the reason I wanted us to read that again here is because I think it so perfectly mirrors our hearts sometimes, even in the church, that we are disappointed by something. Our expectations are unmet. And so we internalize that. We can get bitter about it. And then the person we often take it out on isn't even, it, it's like someone gets mad at you or someone else and it's like, that's collateral damage yeah. because ultimately our disappointment is with God. Yes. And yet we take it on in each other. Yeah. And we just got to be so careful that we're not doing that. Yeah. That we're not allowing disappointment in our lives. What did you, the language there is like, that it takes root, that it becomes a seed uh-huh. of bitterness.
1: Seed. And then that Hebrew's language, it becomes a root of bitterness <clears throat> that right. he says will contaminate many, not just contaminate you. And that's what you just said. It, yeah. it even starts flying shrapnel yeah, my anger with God may be of something twenty years ago. Yeah, and people around me are still living with the shrapnel. Effect. And
0: that's the danger of it is that, you know, I think in our flesh we might say, "Well, it's just my thing." You know, I'm upset or I'm bitter or my expectations were met, and so we feel justified in complaining about it. But we forget what it says in Hebrews twelve that, like, yeah, like you just quoted to us that it contaminates those around us. Yeah, and it's a really, really dangerous thing. Yeah, especially in a fragile body like the church, mm-hmm. where you know that stuff gets out and it's so hard to heal it sometimes. Yes. So he's got to be so careful yep. about that stuff. Right. That's
1: all it takes is one contaminated heart about one thing and it starts spreading to other people and pretty soon it's infecting the body. And that's why Christ, that's why God is so cares so much about unity and not grumbling and complaining. That's some of the things he most hates. So. Yeah.
0: So that's why that Sunday that Sunday was all about, Yah- it was the Yahweh series. That was Yahweh Rapha. And he said, I'm your healer. I'm not the water's healer. Not the healer. water's healer. I'm, I'm your healer. I'm not the circumstance healer. Yeah. I'm your healer, right? Because that's even more important. So the question there that he left us with was, will you let him be your mm-hmm. healer? If you are experiencing that bitterness, those, that disappointment, are you in a place to really let God heal that? Or Are you going to continue in your own kind of path, in your own bitterness? So, And then here at the very end, um, I just wrote this down because I think you said it, and it was really true. My ability to be grateful depends on my heart, not on my circumstances because there's always going to be circumstances in life where yes. we have a, 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 a where we feel justified right in, in being you know upset with a situation or discontent, but my gratitude does not depend on those things. it yep. depends on right. my heart, right Like Ruth and Naomi, if we had more time, we'd talk about that, but that was a great example of that. One chose bitterness, one saw what God was doing and the story kind of bared that out. And then the final question, you left us with Garen and we're over time. So we'll just leave it here. Is my life the embodiment of gratitude or grumbling, which is Mm -hmm. I walked away convicted by that because I can so easily be a grumbler. And even if it's just to Kate or just in my own heart, I mean, many people wouldn't maybe say that about me because I don't share that a lot, but in my heart, I know that I can be. So it was really good conviction for me to get back to being grateful for things and being less of a grumbler.
1: Yeah, cool. So I mean, me too. You're working through that. I've been working through that text. I've been thinking about this one for a long time. I've been thinking about that Rafa thing for a long time, and I know I can. There are times I go through seasons. That's my bent. So it was good for me. I'm too. glad
0: you picked up that. I kind of left that pregnant pause there for yeah, you to for jump me to in and, and Yeah, and... so it took you a second. <laughs> we actually edited out about four seconds of silence there. Um, but Garen finally confessed. Well, I thought
1: about it. I need to say something to make it feel better.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess me too. Uh.
1: Hey, and I do… Can I give a quick shout out to those of you who who attended online actually fully dressed in a suit and tie? Yeah. Enjoying coffee uh, and not, not just sitting in your PJs and having <laughs> hot chocolate. So, I uh, just want to give out… And you were having like a full course meal. Just want to give a shout out to all those people who…
0: If you don't go back and listen to the actual sermon, you may not get that joke. But yes, for everyone who tuned in, we're glad you did. For everybody who came, that was cool. To see all 12 of us there Sunday morning, that was cool. My family, your family. Kind of like replicating
1: the 12 disciples. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. And the people who came early and shoveled in there's a lot of thank yous to go around. So grateful for everybody. And not just because this message was about gratitude. We really are grateful for it. Okay, next week, final week of Nehemiah, is that right?
1: Yeah, uh, final week of of finishing the book, but then we're going to do two more sermons in it because there's two more things that need to be said. Oh,
0: bonus content. Bonus content. Okay, so Nehemiah proper finishes next week and then two more bonus messages. Okay, we're excited for it. Go ahead and read Nehemiah 13 and just wonder what Garen's going to do with it because it's kind of an odd chapter, but we're excited to hear it next week. So thanks for being with us, guys. We'll see you next time.